This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. How's everybody doing out there today? Looking forward to the weekend. Looking forward to all sorts of good stuff on today's show. Also, um, I'm going to get to a whole bunch of stuff. Be joined here in a little bit by Lavelle E. Neal III, checking in from Beijing with a voicemail. He's been all over the place covering all sorts of interesting Minnesota and Team USA angles. So I can't wait to uh, share that with you. Got a big Gophers hockey recruit, a couple of disappointing Gophers hockey games. Jim Harbaugh shockingly getting a big contract extension for Michigan after the dalliance with the Vikings. Who could have seen that coming? And we will also hear from uh, Kevin O'Connell's former college head coach, Tom Kraft, Coached Kevin O'Connell, recruited him at San Diego State. But first, what did I miss? Got to spend a lot of time on Kevin O'Connell's introductory news conference with the Vikings. That happened Thursday afternoon. A lot of interesting things said. You know, He gave a pretty long kind of introductory thank yous, kind of laid out some of his philosophy, stuff like that. But once we got into the question portion, we really got to hear some football related stuff and that's what I want to focus on right now because that's what matters most at the end of the day so I'm going to run through the entire news conference and pick out the five things that I think were most important that he says we're going to play those clips set them up and I'm going to give you the context as to why I think those are the most important things that he said on Thursday so let's go here number one Got to start right off the bat with his comments on Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. Kirk's played at a a very high level, and he's done a lot of really good things um, throughout his career. I know who he is as a player, and I know what he's capable of, and part of our job as coaches is is maximizing uh, a player's ability to go out every single Sunday and have success. So uh, I feel like that's going to be an advantage for us as we build our system offensively. Make sure we really focus on the things Kirk does well, which I I do think are a lot of aspects of playing the position, um, and help him. Help him uh, on a daily basis connect with his team, lead us, um, be completely uh, quieted mind quarterback that can go play because he's talented enough to go do that uh, and putting him in the best possible situations to have success. I know he's under contract, and I'm excited to coach him. We've already started thinking about how we're going to build those systems for him um, and our other quarterbacks and really our, uh, you know, the tremendous skill group we have, our our guys up front. Um, It takes all 11 to move the football on offense, to run it, to throw it, uh, to score points in the red zone. Um, But, but, uh, you know, I'm anticipating Kirk being a part of what we do. Cousins, obviously the Vikings' biggest offseason decision. He's got one year left, of course, on that contract of his 45 million dollar cap hit but it's tradable to a certain degree um the trading team would pick up 35 million of that 45 million dollar cap hit the vikings would be left with just 10 million dollars so tradable in that regard could also keep him and just let him play out that contract or could seek to extend him to lower that number and you know o'connell didn't you know he tiptoed up to the line he didn't go over it but you know sounded to me like they are at least planning on having Kirk Cousins as their quarterback unless something crazy happened unless they got some kind of ridiculous offer they couldn't refuse the way Kevin O'Connell talked about Kirk Cousins made me think even more that Kirk Cousins will be here in 2022 now that's obviously the things that he said about Kirk Cousins are also the things you would say if you are planning to trade him you don't want to diminish your trade market by you know 
bad mouthing a quarterback, and you would never do that anyway. But if you know what I'm saying, like you would, if you were trying to trade him, you're going to try to pump up his value, and make it seem like you want to keep him, make him seem more valuable, make it seem like it's harder to get him in a trade. But everything he said around Kirk Cousins, just about how he's excited to, you know, kind of grow the team around him, things like that, made it sound to me, at least from the introductory news conference, and if that was the goal. Um, that Kirk Cousins will be here as the quarterback in 2022. And again, I'm not sure that's the right decision, but I can live with it if what happens is you, you get this new offensive, fresh set of eyes that can do more with Kirk Cousins than has been here, than has been done here. Not like he's had bad years here, but if, if there's a way to maximize more of what Kirk Cousins can do, I suppose I'm willing to look at that for at least one more year. Number two, um, O'Connell got into the weeds a little bit on offensive philosophy and this notion of the illusion of complexity. You hear that a lot from the Sean Sean McVay coaching tree. You hear it a lot from McVay himself. Here is O'Connell on the illusion of complexity and what that means as part of the offensive philosophy he will run. What does it really mean in its purest form? Um, We're doing a lot of things that are simple for us, uh, but maybe a little bit more difficult for a defense to defend. You know, simple as things starting out looking the same but are different. Um, that illusion of complexity where teams think they de- they, there's a lot of offense that they're defending, but really we're only doing, you know, small details here and there just to change the picture, uh, change angles, uh, give ourselves an advantage wherever we see fit, both in the run game and in the pass game, um, using tempo as a weapon, uh, things that people have seen our offense do in L.A. that they will absolutely see our offense do here in Minnesota. You know, and that was kind of a theme throughout, I think, was just the idea of simplifying, letting players play, but also you know, kind of being minor adjustments that can give you an edge within a game are, you know, are the way to go, are, are the things that kind of, those those are the kind of the backbone of how Sean McVay coach teams win, how Kevin O'Connell will now try to win. It's not going to be with trickery so much as it is finessing some of these small advantages, and I think that goes to his answer, you know, on, on analytics and how that's a portion of what he wants to do and you know what what he and Quase Adolfo Mensa like about each other is that they're kind of process driven and things like that. But I thought the answer about the offense and just kind of the the idea of that illusion of complexity was interesting because it kind of gave you a window into how he thinks about winning games and making adjustments and, and you know not overcomplicating things but making it seem like they're complicated for the opponent. Now, O'Connell's an offensive coach, but defense is also important. He got asked about that, and I thought it was interesting what he said about some of the personnel and about how he will deploy it. Yeah, I I definitely have a vision of what I want the defense to look like and play like. First and foremost, uh, the core characteristics of playing good defense, which is guys flying around, a great tackling group. Uh, We're going to force turnovers with how we play from a scheme standpoint, but that's an effort. Uh, that's an effort thing. That's playing with great effort, sustaining that, finishing plays, uh, making it about the football. That's part of our core uh, football philosophy. Number one, first and foremost, it's all about the ball. I think you lose games turning it over uh, as an offense in this league before you ever give yourself a chance to win them. Uh, but defensively, uh, the greatest defenses in this league not only stop people, but they take the ball away. And that'll be a huge part of, of what Ed and our defensive staff uh, tries to build from day one here. Um, I think from a coverage standpoint, what really drew me to to Ed Donatel was uh, his ability to teach a system that I know is very hard to play against uh, as a a quarterback and as an offensive coach. 
Um, I've experienced it in, in Los Angeles. Uh, there's definitely different forms of it going around the league right now, but um, obviously Ed's experience with Vic Fangio and his connection to that system um, is something that really drew me to him. And then obviously the person that he is was, was huge for me. But as far as our players go, I see uh, impactful players at all three levels. I really do. Um, starting in the back end with, with, with Harrison Smith, I think he's the perfect player for the defensive structure we want to play from a standpoint of the coverage, uh, how we want to uh, make all things look the same. He's got great length. He's got great instincts. He's going to be a problem for people in, in the middle of the field and, and, and around the line of scrimmage. Hey, he really always has been, speaking from experience. Um, obviously, with the, the linebackers, uh, with Eric Hendricks and, and Anthony Barr, those guys have long since been uh, huge issues in this league for people defensively. Um, I think there's ways to uh, use those guys and, and, and allow them to play with an attacking mindset while they're still responsible for the things that they're responsible for defensively. And then I think we've got players both internal and on the edges uh, defensively, uh, or defensive line-wise, that can impact the quarterback. But when it all works together, uh, when that coverage can make it cloudy for the quarterback and that rush is one more step closer to getting home and those backers are doing everything they can to, to, to force negative runs on early downs and finish plays in the pass game, uh, it can be a beautiful thing. And, and that's really what we're hunting from a defensive system. Um, and then the schematics from there, week in and week out, uh, we're going to game plan in a way to, to try to take away what the opponent does best. Mentioned Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks by name when he got to the defensive line did not mention any defensive linemen even though the Vikings have some very good ones including a uh, standout in Daniil Hunter who is due an 18 million dollar roster bonus next month interesting to me maybe reading it reading too much into it a little bit perhaps but interesting that he didn't mention by name Daniil Hunter Hunter uh, you know, his future with the Vikings, I think, is a little bit unclear. Um, they could cut him before that roster bonus is due and save $18 million. And if you're going to keep Kirk Cousins, that might be something you have to do. So I was listening, and that caught my that caught my ear. Other things that caught my ear with the defense are you know, this idea that they probably will run a 3-4 defense in the base defense, but that sometimes that doesn't really matter because of how much teams are in their nickel defense these days because so many teams are using three wide receivers in you know in in not just on third down anymore so could be that the three four is more in name only but it would be a shift still philosophically from what the vikings have done in the past so that part was interesting to me as well number four o'connell circled back on the idea of collaboration a lot of different times in a lot of different ways i'm going to play a clip now that I thought was the most concise of them all. Uh, knowing the, the, the opportunity in front of us, um, I think the word collaboration speaks to the, the two guys you see sitting in front of you. And I think our doing our job for our, our, the people that will work for us, our coaching staff and our, our personnel uh, staff, uh, will be letting those guys feel that immediate connection between the two of us which will only allow our, our groups to connect. And then before you know it, the players will be back in this building and they're going to be the number one people, the number one group that feels that connection and collaboration because uh, it really is a thing. I know the word's been used a lot, but um, it's being used a lot for a reason. And I, I hope people and, and fans understand that. We both believe in it. We have that shared vision. And I've been a part of something, and I know he has too, where when it's existed, a lot of really good things can happen. And again, this just spoke to me in a way of, you know, there's a contrast here certainly between the Mike Zimmer era and now the Kevin O'Connell era. And even if O'Connell wouldn't specifically comment or didn't want to talk about 
what was going on here before, you certainly got this this messaging of this is going to be different. The way I'm going to run things is going to be a lot of collaboration. Players are going to feel that collaboration. They're going to feel their value, things of that nature. So that stood out to me as well. It's not so much an on-the-field thing, but it was still very much interesting to me. Final thing, theme throughout uh, the whole news conference, and I want to play a clip towards the end, was that O'Connell certainly is giving the impression that he feels like they can win right away, that, they, that they're not that far off, that this roster already has a lot of pieces in place. And again, that's what you would say regardless. You don't want to sound like a desperate team, desperate to make moves or rip things up because then, then teams swoop in trying to make trades on you know for 50 cents on the dollar. So I get that. Some of this could be posturing, but some of it could reflect that he thinks that there is actually a lot of talent on this roster. Could be part of the Kirk Cousins question, could be part of how how they will go in 2022. Not a teardown, not as many changes as you might think. More of a, we're going to try some of our things with some of these same people and see if we get better results. So here is Kevin O'Connell talking about that piece of the puzzle. That's one of the things you look for when you get these opportunities is, is where is this current team at? And, and then obviously what type of plan can we put in place to go accomplish the goals that we want to accomplish? And I think uh, there's a lot of reasons you just said it, uh, you know, in, in, on both sides of the ball uh, that make me really excited about implementing the, the, the systems and the processes that we're going to implement uh, that these guys can then take and run with as players. And uh, can't wait to see the leadership of this group. I think there's great leadership on this team already, um, but be put in a position uh, hopefully to take this thing over, have that player-led ownership of a team, um, let those guys uh, go lead the rest of that locker room, and, and then I see us really growing this thing day by day together. together. Added all up, and I was, I was pretty impressed. I, I, I feel like I learned more football things from his news conference than I anticipated learning. He was pretty open, just kind of talking about his philosophy, how he runs offense, how he runs defense, kind of what he looks for evaluating even you know get an early look at what he thinks of this roster I think that was valuable and again we'll know more what they do will tell us a lot more than what they say but if we can take them at their word I would anticipate fewer massive changes this offseason and more of those uh, of those tweaks that we like to talk about and seeing if they can take their system and implement it with these players and get different results. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. You know, one thing that's kind of interesting about Kevin O'Connell is I just don't feel like I really knew much about his background at all. You know, someone who's an assistant coach, you don't really have that kind of base knowledge of who they are. So I was kind of poking around the other day looking for... You know, kind of looking back at Kevin O'Connell's history, kind of where, where he came from before this and saw, you know, of course, he was a quarterback uh, in the NFL for a little while. Before that, he played at San Diego State. And I was, was kind of looking up, well, who is his coach at San Diego State? And I kind of I, I kind of went back and saw who it was. Tom Kraft was his coach, at least in the early part of his career. He recruited Kevin O'Connell at San Diego State. And Kraft is now the head coach at Riverside College in California. Got a hold of him on Wednesday, and uh, he was nice enough to give me some time kind of talking about Kevin O'Connell and what Kevin O'Connell was like half, half a lifetime ago. So here, uh, let, let's enjoy that conversation I had with uh, with Tom Kraft. Happy to be joined here now by Tom Kraft, uh, former San Diego State head football coach. When uh, 
Kevin O'Connell, new Vikings head coach, was there as well as the quarterback. Um, Tom, how you doing? Doing great, thank you. Great, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining the show. How uh, you know you were the head coach at San Diego State? I presume you were there at least in the early part of Kevin O'Connell's playing career. I imagine you might have been involved in the recruiting process as well, since he was a 2003 high school graduate. What, what do you remember about uh, about Kevin O'Connell as a uh, as a young player coming into your program? Well, I remember Kevin. My first thoughts of him was when he was in high school, and um, he'd come over to Palomar College when I was at coach coaching over there, and uh, give him quarterback lessons, um, throwing, that type of thing, and uh, really got to know Kevin uh, as a person. And um, that proceeded into, when I went to San Diego State, um, kept in touch, kept an eye on him, and uh, we really liked him as a prospect and uh, ended up recruiting him to San Diego State. And uh, he played for me uh uh, two years, and he was one of the uh, top freshmen, I felt, coming into the program at that time, and he ended up playing uh, as a freshman uh, and broke a couple of freshman records. Uh, he ran the ball really well. We ran a spread offense, and uh, the thing about Kevin that sticks out to me is his toughness and his intelligence. Those are the two characteristics that that are real obvious in Kevin and and I'm really happy for him and I I think he's going to do a great job as a head coach and as a manager of assistant coaches and and a football team. I think he's got the the makeup and the the intelligence uh, to do that. Obviously when you were recruiting him we're talking about you know half a lifetime ago for him since he's 36 now but I I do know that just talking to, you know, talking to some coaches and, you know, just talking about people who become coaches, sometimes you can tell even when someone is pretty young that they might, you know, be coach material, especially you as a coach, you as a former quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, you also played at San Diego State. Did did you see that in, in him or were you thinking along those lines as you were getting to know him as when he was, you know, in his young playing days? Well, I think Kevin's got a good mind for football, um, but I really, you're not sure that early time in his career uh, what he was going to be interested in evolving to. But I, I really felt because of his his mental uh, makeup and his toughness and his discipline that he'd be successful in whatever he wanted to do. I wasn't sure it was going to be coaching or not, but if that's what he wanted to do, it would be a perfect fit for him, a real easy transition. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, he's he's had the success. Uh, he's obviously uh, moved up very quickly uh, from being an assistant coach, quarterback coach, to a coordinator, and then now getting his opportunity as a head football coach. So I think anytime somebody's young and he and he's come from uh right people. Uh he's been around, uh, that's also provided him with a great opportunity as well. 
And obviously he got a shot, you know, for a number of teams in, in the NFL, you know, didn't really rise, you know, super far. But when you get to the NFL, you've accomplished a, a certain a certain amount as a player um, as you kind of watched his evolution. And, you know, like you said, you were you were not his coach for the entirety of his coach or for, of his college career. But, you know, his evolution of a play as a player, what, what did you see in that regard? Well, just a, a maturity uh, in him and his toughness and his discipline. You know, he came off of a rotator cuff injury uh, his freshman year, and uh, he got himself back to where he could play the following year, his sophomore year with us, and he did a great job. I mean, he, he had a good statistical year, uh, and I, I felt like, boy, the ceiling for him is going to be really high. I mean, we're going to be able to do some some other things with him and, and be more advanced um, because you can really do what your players are capable of doing. And I felt we could really uh, extend ourselves throwing the football uh, with Kevin. And we, and we did a pretty good job of it uh, his sophomore year uh, offensively. So uh, I just felt like there was a lot of feeling for him improvement in him and then of course uh, he had he had an injury his junior year and matter of fact my son ended up being the quarterback there uh, while he was injured for a while and then he came back towards the end of the year and then he had his good senior year so uh, I, I really felt uh, kind of disappointed I didn't get to coaching uh, his last two years couple more things really enjoying this conversation with Tom Kraft former college coach with Kevin O'Connell at San Diego State um you know I think you maybe touched on this a little bit initially but just you know personality wise how how would you describe Kevin O'Connell at least the Kevin O'Connell you knew as he was kind of you know growing from a you know a, a teenager into you know an, into adulthood at that point yeah i you know right away i knew he was a high character guy uh, without a doubt. I mean, he comes from a great family, uh, both of his parents, and um, we knew we were going to get that. But, you know, Kevin's kind of a, uh, he's got an infectious uh, personality, a uh, great guy to be around. Um, I, I, I really feel like uh, he's got a good temperament uh, in for coaching, and I think he's going to be a a real teacher. Uh, he's that type of guy that he's a teacher uh, and he commands um, people around him with his discipline and his ability to communicate. He's not a hollerer type guy. Um, so I think he's uh, exactly what people are looking for right now uh, to lead their organizations. And I think he'll do a great job. Uh, Tom enjoyed this conversation. Glad you could add some perspective to uh, you know to the Kevin O'Connell hiring and um, yeah enjoy uh, enjoy the uh, the upcoming season. Okay. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Interesting that O'Connell ran a spread offense at San Diego State, and probably a good thing that he's not one of those old school coaches who can only coach one way. Because I would think it would be hilarious to see him try to run. Kirk Cousins 80, 90, 100 times in a season in a spread offense. But larger point being, it sounds like, you know, his his former head coach saw some things in him pretty early, even if he didn't know exactly what path he would take. 
that thought that made him think he would be a good coach someday. And now here is Kevin O'Connell as the tenth head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I am shocked, shocked, I tell you, that Jim Harbaugh got a contract extension and some more money from Michigan after the dalliance with the Vikings a couple weeks ago. Could not have possibly seen this coming, that there was any kind of posturing or leverage to come out of his flirtation with an NFL job. Harbaugh will get more than $7 million to coach Michigan next year, obviously coming off a very successful season with the Wolverines. But yeah, this is how the game works, you guys. Um, you, you get some leverage from looking at another job, and then you come back to the school and you say, hey, you know, I could have done this, I could have done that. I've got these offers from the NFL. They want me, uh, pay me my money, and that's what Harbaugh got. Now, it's not like he can't still leave. Um, you know, his buyout's only a few million dollars, so an NFL team who still wanted him could uh, could, could could come and get him. But, yeah, shocked. And by that, I mean, of course, not shocked at all that that's what happened with Jim Harbaugh. A tough day on Thursday for the Gophers basketball teams. Both the men and the women got blown out by two pretty bad teams. Gophers men's basketball team losing to Penn State. Gophers women's basketball team losing to Rutgers. Rutgers was 1-12 and in the Big Ten coming into that game. Um, they've won two in a row now, so maybe they're kind of figuring something out towards the end of this year, but not to... Not a great look for uh, for either team now. You know, neither team is really having a great season of their own. I think we, we the, the men's basketball team is kind of you know like we've talked about before has kind of become what we thought they were going to become. But uh, you know, the women had made some strides lately. They lose uh, they lose big to uh, to Rutgers. Gophers lose big to Penn State on the men's side. Um, men's basketball team scored fewer than fifty points in two consecutive games. Now it's just not looking. Like much is going on for these teams, better things to better things ahead. I would still argue in both cases, but a uh, a rough one for both of those teams. On a happier note, uh, Gophers uh, got a, a big commitment from a hockey player, Logan Cooley, one of the top players uh, in the 2022 draft coming up. Has committed to the Gophers, flipping from Notre Dame. Um, he's number two ranked skater. In the Central Scouting Report for the 2022 Draft, Pittsburgh native, um, yeah, that's, that's that's a big one. That's a big one for them. Five ten, 174 pounds. He's got 20. He's got 41 points in 29 games for the under 18 team with the U.S. National Team Development Program. Uh, looks like they got an awfully good one. Wondering how long he'll be here, but you know, sometimes even those players that aren't here for very long can make a big impact for your team. So big one for Bob Motzko and the Gophers as they try to strive and go forward ahead. Let's finish with an extended cooler, a dispatch from Lavelle E. the Third in Beijing. He's been all over the place covering hockey, covering curling, all sorts of good stuff, covering stuff for the Star Tribune with the Olympics. Here is Lavelle from Beijing. Hello, everyone. This is Lavelle Neal. Uh, Olympics writer for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Thanks for having me on, Mike. I hope all things are well back there in uh, looks like the frozen tundra of uh, Minnesota right now. Anyway, here with the Olympic update, we're kind of wrapping up things here. We're getting down to the end of the um, in the Olympics, and a lot of things are coming to a head here, and a lot of sports that were involving uh, Minnesota athletes. Uh, we still have uh, skiing yet to uh, take place as another slalom event in which uh, 
local product, Paula Molson, will participate in. Uh, that's coming up here uh, on Saturday. And um, we're seeing the end of uh, hockey coming up here. We thought the men's hockey team would have a chance of moving on and getting into the medal round, but they got knocked off by Slovakia, who was a talented team and took it to the United States and knocked them out in the quarters. Uh, it's a it's an unfortunate end for a team that uh, was young but showed a lot of talent, and uh, they've got some kids that are going to end up in NF, in the <laughs> NHL sooner than later and featuring for their teams. Uh, I thought Maddie Bernier is a player from the University of Michigan, played very well. Um, uh, Sanderson, the defenseman from uh, UND, who was injured, appeared in one game, but was a difference maker as soon as he stepped on the ice. Apparently, he's an exciting player to watch in the future. And the three golfer kids acquitted themselves well. Bev Myers was uh, scored a couple goals. Brock Favors stepped right in and contributed from the back. And uh, Matty Nyes looked like he was worth higher than a third-round pick by the Las Vegas uh, Knights. Uh, so we'll see how these, uh, these golfer guys get along as now they return to the college team who really hasn't needed them in the last couple of weeks. Looks like the Gophers have played well in their absence, but we'll see. The women's hockey team reached the gold medal game against Canada, which everybody expected. Um, and they were, you know, a couple of things that have gone on during the tournament, came back to bite them in the final, uh, got off to a slow start once again, had outshot the opponent by a sizable margin once again, but did not get enough of those shots past the goaltender once again. So, Ended up being a disappointing 3-2 loss to Canada. Canada wins the gold medal they thought they should have won four years ago, but the United States beat them in a shootout, which they claim is not really – it's like losing in a shootout is not really like losing a game. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the women's program moves forward from here. I think I counted like maybe eight or nine players who will be 30 and under by the time the next um, Olympic cycle comes around. So they're going to have to turn over some of that roster. So, um, the curlers, the women's curlers fa failed to make the final four. Matt Schuster and his team did reach the final four, but lost to Canada today by a score of eight to five. Uh, they had a five, four leap and then Canada had a big, had a big, I want to say fifth end when they scored three points, it took a seven, five lead and tacked on another one. And they just made quality shots. They made more quality shots than Schuster's guys were able to. It's unfortunate that they could not defend their gold medal. But they, they did rally in round-robin play and were able to uh, reach the medal round. So, uh, And all the indications are is that they want, to, they want to run it back. So Schuster and Matt Hamilton and John Landsteiner and Chris Plies will probably be you know, competing for the Olympics four years from now when it's in Milan, Italy. So that's all I got here from my hotel room in Beijing. I hope you guys stay warm. I hope your uh, snowblowers are gassed up. And I hope the uh, remote, remote starter works when you press the button in the morning. Take care. That will do it for today. Great to hear from Lavelle. Love to hear his voice. Great stuff. Come follow his follow his work. Follow Rachel Blount's work from Beijing. They've been working their butts off out there, and it's been a very fun, rewarding read to check them out in Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Be back at it next week with all sorts of good stuff as well. Hope you had a great week on Daily Delivery. Be back at it again on Monday.